So thanks for joining the call, Jason. Um, really excited to be speaking to you. So if you could just give people an overview of your background in sort of branding um, so that we could have an understanding of where you've been and then we'll talk a bit about the concept of a brand. Oof, the concept of a brand. Well, I, I, I think I, I, I was brand obsessed as a young person. I grew up desperate to be Michael Jordan. Um, but it's incredible, isn't it, that to a kid growing up um, in the 80s and 90s in London, um, you can be touched so much by something from a completely different culture, from the West Coast of America, from a sport that nobody even knew the rules of. Um, and, and it can sort of change your destiny, like change your life in a way. And so I think the power, we use the word brand as sort of in a little bit of a trite way, but I really think that brands are all important. Um, I've worked for mostly in fashion or luxury or sport through my whole career. Um, I started as a fashion designer um, for the brand Yves Saint Laurent. Um, and then I worked for Nike. I, I badgered Nike relentlessly. I, I wrote letter after letter to them <laughs> until they uh, gave me a job. I think they just, to get me to stop writing for them, to be honest with you. Um, I worked for Puma. I've worked for Alexander McQueen, which was uh, an incredible, amazing thing to do. Um, I've worked for Ralph Lauren, who I think is one of the greatest people and brands on the planet. Um, and I've also worked for the brand uh, Alfred Dunhill. So I've worked for a lot of brands through my career and um, I've learned a little bit from each of them. No, that sounds great. So in fact, let's touch on that. What are some of the biggest things you learned about brand? Because from a layman's perspective, coming in, you just think that brand is just a fancy logo. But brand is so much more than that, right? That's what everyone thinks. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. I think maybe we should have a new brand rule that you have to change your logo uh, every, every year and see if your brand is still recognizable. Because that would be a real true measure, wouldn't it? When your brand is about your behavior, about your purpose, about your personality, that it reflects the people that you want to be inspired by your brand because you're inspired by those people, um, that it has consistency and that it lasts longer than a moment and that it's more than marketing, that it's actually the reason you make decisions um, as a corporation every day is because of your brand. And then you get into the world, which is probably where I lie, which is, you know, they ought to be like corporate religions, right? They ought to be the thing that everybody in them has signed up to um, and that's why people want to work there. And I think when I look at what Patagonia have been through as a brand that's been around a long time, but it's still really at the forefront of relevance right now. And I think I would love to work for that brand. I'd be so proud to work for that brand, not because they get everything right, but because they're open and transparent and honest enough to say when they have made a mistake um, and to lift the lid on it, you know, that's a behavior then. And for me, that's what a brand is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's corporate behaviors. It's a guiding light and it's a reason for a business to exist. No, that makes sense. Uh, you know, at least when you start to think about it beyond a surface level, at a high level, you go from thinking it's just a, a logo and then you start to think, yeah, when you use words like religion or I'd be proud to, you're speaking about very emotive type of things, not just a visual representation. At least that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I think... We, we can't have hollow brands and we certainly the world we're living in right now where let's be honest brands are leading almost like 
social responsibilities. You know, they're the, they're, and this is because they're reacting to consumer pressure at all. So it's great that consumers are so important in the world um, today, probably more so than ever, to be honest with you. Um, but brands are a behavioral system much more than a logo. You know, if your brand is still recognized by the things you do, not the way it looks, then I think you've got a powerful brand. Mm, that's a very powerful statement right there. Um, how do you think sort of brand branding has evolved um, over the last five to 10 years? What has really changed? Because from my perspective, I see a lot more like socially conscious or, you know, and simplified branding. But what, what, in your, what, your, what has changed in your opinion from sort of five, 10 years ago till today? Well, I think data has. I think that we have just access to information um, and access, you know, like consumers these days are no longer at the end of um, a value chain. They've become the editors of what they receive to a degree. Um, they're able to display uh, their positive and negative experiences around commerce and around brands. And so consumer power has, uh, has grown a lot. But also that's growing is the rather negative side of, of data. And that's being able to um, classify people as a certain type or a certain sort of consumer and being able to track them through their behavior and hit them with messages. So the two are sort of at the moment holding each other in balance. But ultimately, uh, data has been, the, has been the thing that has uh, had an incredible effect on brands over the last 10, 15 years since the digital revolution. Some brands have stuck true to their purpose and stuck true to their vision. Um, and some brands have followed the data to the point that they almost don't exist anymore. And so I think if brands want to truly understand consumers, they have the opportunity to. Um, if brands only want to use performance marketing, you know, they generally find themselves um, in a pretty short term uh, cycle. Yeah, no, that makes sense. In speaking about data and transparency, um, one thing I, I've noticed is the incongruency between what a brand says it is versus what it actually is has become more prevalent. So for instance, you'll hear of, you know, oh, Nike, you know, is this great sports brand or whatever it is. And then you look behind closed doors, you know, it might be a different story. And I don't want to speak badly about Nike, but you know, you hear about the sweatshops and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like because of social media, because of data, because of transparency, we can also tell when brands are being authentic and when they're not. Would you say that's, that's a fair reflection? Yeah, I think it's a real fair reflection. And I think um, that's only going to increase. And uh, yeah, I don't, think the, I don't think the brand executives of the world were planning that every human being would have um, a camera in their pocket and, an ability, and a broadcast stream and so that you could just lift the lid off it. I don't think things like value chain transparency were really regarded as being um, hot topics that were gonna add value in the consumer mind, but of course they are now. I would expect a brilliant brand like Nike um, to react really positively to this because I think, um, I think that that's what they do. I think that they reflect their own purpose and, and the zeitgeist of what people believe in them to be really successfully. Um, and I also think sort of other brands will unfortunately lose their way a little bit. Yeah. Well, in your opinion, what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are out there about a brand? Um, whoa, that's a really big question. Um, <laughs> the biggest misconceptions are about, well, 
I think it's a very, very challenging question. Misconceptions about brands. I think, um, I think there are many areas of the branded world where brand, the term brand is being used um, to hide away from truths that the consumer may not react positively to. I think many brands rest on nostalgia. They rest on positive sentiment from the past. Um, and actually, increasingly, as the, as the lid is lifted on, on corporate operations, they're going to become, um, they're going to find themselves in pretty challenging positions. So, you know, I think that a great, and it goes back to this idea that a great brand needs to be a set of behaviors and a set of decision making. It needs to be a decision making device, not just a look and feel. Um, because I sort of, I, I kind of feel that transparency and ethicality and positivity across the whole spectrum of operations are going to become increasingly important to consumers. And, uh, and if you're not able to have those, uh, those traits within the nature of the operations of your business, you're probably going to find it very, very difficult um, to have a positive relationship with your consumer. And, and then you won't really last that long, to be honest with you. It feels like it's a world now where what we want is small and niche and good, um, but a lot of the legacy brands are, you know, are big and slow and potentially their operations aren't so positive to the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can think of a few brands that fall into that category myself. <laughs> I'm not going to name Take an eye, but I'm not going to put them on the... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, as a lot of our audience are, you know, in the entrepreneurial space and startups and all that kind of stuff, and you see a very clear distinction into how even startups have started to brand themselves, the tone of voice that they use, you know, it's becoming a bit more informal, they use things like emojis and all that kind of stuff. So from an entrepreneur's perspective or startup perspective, do you think that the way things are moving is, is generally the right direction? Because it's the way sort of the next generation is thinking about things. Or do you think that it's becoming too informal to the point where you can't create this sort of iconic brand or something like that? Um, no, I think we can create, I think some of the most iconic brands have been created recently uh, rather than historically, weirdly. I know that we, we you know, we look at Coca-Colas of the world and we, and we go, that's, that's an incredibly iconic brand or the Fords of the world. Um, and they, it's true, you know, they are, they are, iconic brands with incredible histories and and that's a good thing they have provenance in spades but if you think of the branded world over the last 10 years and you think of things like facebook or spotify or netflix or tesla or you go my gosh you know the brands that are being generated today yes they're reforming what professionalism is um but that's okay it just suits the mood you know so um it, it, the casualization of of what professional behavior is only reflects the way that people feel um and that's not a bad thing i think uh, I, I think it's actually a good thing um i wish boardrooms reflected the same level of casualization i wish we had the same sense of blend across diversity and social representation in the governance of companies and so the brand was very true all the way through um but i think that will come you know i think that i think we uh, we can as as people hopefully leading charges of change, we can become very frustrated with the pace of change. Um, but we have to recognize as well that this is a world vastly different 
almost every five years it seems to transform. So um, I think we're making some amazing brands at the moment. I think we're holding the mirror up to society. I think we're forcing change from a consumer level and actually the branded world is in a good place right now. Yeah, and things can change so quickly. Harping on what you mentioned about change, you know, all of a sudden it was, you know, consumers wanted more ethical brands. All of a sudden it's like the coronavirus. All of a sudden it's Black Lives Matter. You know, these are sort of monumental, um, very uh, game-changing shifts in the way the world works and also the societal norms around ourselves. And I can imagine that brands can always face this scenario where they're either going to fall on the right side of history or the wrong side of history. And sometimes it's even out of their hands. At least that's what they'll portray it as, as, oh, this has happened. Um, and now we've got to catch up on it. So if you think of Black Lives Matter, it's like, oh, you didn't know about this. And now we've got to harp on this bandwagon. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you about that change, how drastic it is, how brands adapt to it. Is it really out of their hands or is it just that they, they saw the problem and they didn't want to address it and they're just following sort of consumer sentiment. I mean, we, we step into, um, we step into uh, topics which can be incredibly divisive and incredible and drive incredibly impassioned responses. And I often find myself deeply frustrated by operating in the land of sort of brand self-righteousness because there's a massively important social issue in the in the world and and thank goodness for movements like black lives matter for pointing it out right and for demanding change and then you see a brand jumping on the bandwagon and sort of acting in a very self-righteous way your, your instinct can go hey that's just not ethical that's not the right thing for you to be doing as a corporation and i can totally understand that but then i also think that brand has probably invested millions and millions and millions and millions in audience scale and brands now have you know brands are media now right and so if they're pro if they're promoting or championing a cause which is really important to the world like black lives matter it's it's kind of a positive thing as well that they're getting out to more people that that message is is being pushed out that that's an important thing so you sort of sometimes i feel frustrated by the self-righteousness and sometimes i think thank goodness because black lives matter don't have a massive media budget to get their message out to, to the masses as quickly as they manage to do. And, and I kind of find myself sitting on the fence a little bit in this response, but I sort of try to look at the positives um, and try to look at the negatives, but I do recognize that there is quite a lot of self-righteous behavior from corporations sometimes. Um, and maybe it's beneficial um, to the cause at the end, but maybe it sometimes makes you go, feel a little bit uneasy in your stomach <laughs> like the greenwashing thing i mean you know it's i, I saw an advert the other day it said 30 percent. no what did it say it said 50 percent of the lining of this shoe is comes from recycled products and so well well a shoe lining is only about 30 percent of the shoe anyway so that advert is actually saying 85 percent of this product is not recycled <laughs> and i i kind of think we need to sort of not allow green bashing or washing. We need to not allow people to use important elements like Black Lives Matter um, to promote their business. But if they're getting uh, calls out to a lot of people and it's an important cause, um, maybe that's not a bad thing as well. Yeah, you're 100% right. Being able to 
have the backing of some of these corporations um, like, like Black Lives Matter, like Nike and what they did. It's, it's immensely powerful um, and they can, you know, change society. But I imagine there's a lot of people that burnt their Nikes <laughs> as soon as they heard that message, you know? Yeah, I, I think I think they I think they probably did. And, and you know, I remember as a young as a young guy watching Dennis Rodman in Nike's and thinking, oh, thank goodness that a company will stand behind people who represent themselves in a different manner. And thinking, well, that, that's a, it's got to be a good thing. And so for the people who are burning them, I think they, they hopefully are inspiring a lot of people as well. Um, but the consumer always has a choice, right? So it's, it's ultimately down to, to whether or not they are uh, making traction with, with the consumer, whether the consumer votes with their money. And that's the bit that we that we find out, right? Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Changing tax just a little bit. So, thinking about brands of the future, right? What do you see? What are some of the trends in branding that you know entrepreneurs should be aware of? Venture capitalists should be aware of when they're putting capital. Um, you know, people that are interested in, in finance, entrepreneurship, venture capital, all those kinds of things. What are some of the trends that they can look out for as they're trying to? bring some mission or thing out into the world that you see, which is going to really change the game? You know, I think communication is a mega thing. I think nobody was really planning in their, in their business projections that the entirety of global society would be sitting on the naughty step, locked in its house. I, I think nobody was planning one of the worst racial atrocities to be filmed and so publicly broadcast around the world. I think we, we are, we've reached a massive moment in in humanity. I think the environment is uh, in a critical condition. There's massive social divisiveness all over the world, um, and there's there's obviously this this pandemic that's changing the condition of consumption and will continue to change the condition of consumption all over the world. So everything has been replumped. And so if I was investing in a brand now. I'd want to invest in a brand that wasn't stuck in a singular channel, that had high levels of agility, that had uh, an ability to communicate, had a cause that people would rally behind. Um, and I think that we enter a world where it, like brands need to be like Netflix. You know, you, you want to go to a branded environment and it will entertain you. It will inspire you. It will motivate you in terms of your beliefs, align to your values and have really cool stuff that you want to, use or, uh, or or purchase and so you need a much more fully rounded brand these days a much more 360 degree approach and the approach is about how you represent communities or people um, and, and it's not enough to just be you know a cog in a bigger wheel i think you, you have to be the whole thing now and so brands are almost like channels on on a, on a tv station i think yeah yeah that's a good point um, I, I know that you're also personally involved in, you know, trying to build brands for good and things like that. And we might get into that a bit later, but from your perspective, you know, the whole brands for good campaign and all that kind of stuff, where do you stand on that? And how do you see that evolving? You know, brands, are, it wasn't politics that, that raised the issue with Black Lives Matter, was it? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't politics that, spoke out about the the hideous state of the environment you know i think brands are very important right now so i recognize it uh, you know i've built a lot of brands and worked for a lot of corporations and you come to a point where you realize 
you're dictated by a shareholding community um, that are living from a dividend and they aren't actually thinking rationally or consciously about elements like the environment um, at all. And, and we have to build better businesses in better systems. I think that we can, you know, I'm not going to come on your, your podcast and say we need to recreate capitalism. Capitalism can be a, a really positive system, you know, but it, we just need to make sure that the consumer choice within capitalism does good for the world. And I think that now's the moment to build positive businesses and stop ticking diversity boxes and ticking ethicality boxes and greenwashing and, and actually build organizations of change because we you know we, we have control over the route to consumer it's our choice about how much profit we decide um, a business needs to make and so we can build really really exceptional brands going forward and you know that really excites me and so for me you know I've done sort of more than 20 years in some of the biggest brands in the world um, and I've been in um, executive teams for a long long time and when you step out of it for a moment and you work in new ventures and you work in startup and you put your mind into what's happening at the very beginning of corporations it's so inspiring I mean it's so fascinating so I have great hope and I think if you'd have done this uh, interview two years ago I'd have had a lot less hope um, so I feel very optimistic about the brands we're going to be building in the future I think that you know the consumer pressure on doing the right thing is so great these days, probably greater than it's ever been. Um, and I think that's an exciting thing. Yeah, not, not to end on an, on an unoptimistic note, but I wanted to ask yeah. about your 20 year career. What's the biggest uh, right. brand blunder you saw and you were like, wow, okay, that, those guys really messed up. So you know what? Uh, <laughs> It's got some punchy questions today, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, for me, you know, weirdly thinking about that, for me, the same role in two very different companies addressed the same topic for me in two very different ways. Um, and, and that was a topic of profit margin. And the role, the person was the chief financial officer. Um, and one of them said to me, Jason, and it was early in my career, they said margin is, is a value equation that we have between us and our customer. And we want to beat our competition because we have the greatest value equation for our customer. So go and do a good deal for the customer. And, and what they were basically saying was we need to earn enough money that this company is successful, um, but we need to make sure we put enough value in the product that, that Ours is the product the customer chooses. It was very, very wise. And then another CFO said to me, uh, Jason, I come from the frozen food businesses. If we want to make more money in frozen food, what we do is we use cheaper fish in our fish fingers and we take spoonfuls of peas out of the frozen peas. Go and do, apply that philosophy to the products that you're making here. The first company was Nike. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't tell you who the second company was <laughs> because they'd probably sue me. But the second company ain't doing so well anymore. Oh, man. Oh, that's a great story <laughs> to end on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, it's, a, it's a naughty question to ask, though, to be honest with you, asking things like that right at the end of interviews. <laughs> hey, man, yeah, I got to go for gold, man. I got to get every last <laughs> bit of juice out of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. I mean, it, you know, we, we, it's incredible, isn't it? You have, a, you have a chat about brands and I mean, that's the nuance now. We're talking about brands, but we're talking about how people of color are represented. We're talking about how genders are represented. We're talking about ethicality and sustainability. This is why we need brands to, to shape themselves up for the future because it's, they're responsible for really, really big and really important things. Um, we, have to, uh, we have to change the way brands are, but also celebrate them as they change, I think. Yeah, no, 100%. Thank you so much for your time on the show today. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back, but uh, is there any last words you'd like to get out there to the audience? or Only a massive apology that I'm walking down the street in London in my sunglasses. I'm not normally, I'm not trying to be very cool. I just, um, <laughs> I'm moving between, uh, between meetings. And yeah, I hope to see everyone on the other side of COVID because I'm really over the lockdown now and just want to get out to seeing human beings again. Nice. You're not trying to be cool. You just happen to be cool today. <laughs> <laughs> You're so kind. Thank you so much for asking me on. I really do appreciate it. And uh, good luck with everything, man. I'll, I'll speak to you soon.